just really all he wanted to do was scare me, which he succeeded. Yeah. And then he, you know, treated me like, okay, well, that, that was your warning. You got off light and easy and he sent me on my way. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to, you know, even as a gay man, I don't want to be overdramatic, but I, I don't, I think it's safe to say my life changed in that moment. Yeah. Like life became unsafe in that moment. I no longer had the joy and the freedom and the self-expression and the confidence. It was like a before and after phenomenon. Welcome to the People People Podcast. We're on a mission to spread human connection. Welcome to the People People Podcast. This is Matt Matson, your host. Thanks for listening. And thanks for being socially excellent. Thanks for making the little momentary choices every day in your life to be more curious, generous, authentic, and vulnerable. Thanks for engaging with people that you wouldn't normally engage with. Thanks for shaking more hands than maybe you normally do. Thanks for having better, deeper, more meaningful conversations. Thanks for seeking emotional and deep heart-to-heart connection with the people in your lives, whether it's strangers you pass on the street or people who are really close to you who you just want to you just want to find a new, deeper level of connection with. I think that's what this podcast is all about. That's what social excellence is all about. I'm excited about this episode. I have a conversation with my longtime friend, Mike Dilbeck. Mike created something called the Response Ability Project a long time ago. And that's a project, an initiative that is about bystander intervention. Bystander intervention is this simple idea of what do you choose to do in the moments where you see something going bad in somebody else's life? Do you choose to intervene or not? Mike puts it this way. Do you choose to be passive or powerful? Mike has recently been talking about the simple idea of dignity. And we're going to explore the idea of dignity in this conversation. Enjoy the conversation. It's not really an interview. This is just Mike and I, old friends, talking about our work together and talking. We share, share some stories. We get a little vulnerable, a little real. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. I hope you can picture yourself in some of the stories and some of the, some of the examples that we share. And I wonder, as you go into this, listening to this episode, I wonder if you can think about moments in your life that have transformed you, that have maybe filled you with feelings that have shaped your behaviors. Maybe moments in your life that have transformed you and that live with you like heavy baggage and that keep you from sometimes maybe being all that you can be and being the person that you wish you were. For that matter, think about the idea of the person you wish you were. Where did you get that idea? And why is that not fully reflective of who you are right now? Because who you are right now is enough. Mike talks about that. We talk in this conversation about this simple idea of we all just want to belong. And I want you to know that as a listener of the People People podcast, you belong here. And there are people like you out there. There are people like us out there. There are a lot of people like us out there who just want a world that is filled with human connection, who understand that we can make the choices to fill our world with human connection. And if we do, everything will get better. Our work will get better. Our causes will be more greatly impacted and our personal lives will be more fulfilling and happy. Enjoy this conversation with Mike Dilbeck. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the People People Podcast. Thanks for joining us this episode. Our guest is Mike Dilbeck. Mike Dilbeck is a speaker 
an author, a two-time cancer survivor, the creator of the Responsibility Project, A Call for Courage, and the creator of Dignity You. That's a lot of things. Mike is also a friend and uh, somebody I've known and worked with for a long time. He and I speak in similar circles and, and do education with some of the same people. I want to read something before I, before I let Mike say anything. I want to read something. When each of us is born, our glass of dignity is full. As kids, we are full of joy and full of confidence. We know ourselves as valuable and worthy. There is nothing we can't or won't do. Then life happens. Mike, thanks for joining us. Has life happened to you? Those are your words, I think. Will you tell us about them? Oh, absolutely. Life. Ha- good morning, yeah. first of all, or good afternoon. Whenever anyone's listening to this, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And uh, yes, life happens. I mean, life starts to happen at a very, very early age for all of us. And it really is, it starts to happen whether we know it or not. And, you know, I don't want this to be something negative, but, you know, life is happening to us and we don't even know what impact it's having on us. And that value and that worth and that joy and that confidence that we, for however long, have as a child. I mean, just look at children, right? You know, especially early, early, early age, you certainly have your own. I have my own nieces and nephews and uh, children of my own. Like, oh my God, you can't get them to bed, you know? And they just, they just want to pack everything into a day that they can pack in. And they just want to take everything on. And then let's all look for ourselves. And when does that change? Because at some point it does change. And I'll be open, you know, now I'm like, okay, when can I get to bed? Yeah. And do I, do I really have to get up today? You know, it just turns into that to where we, at some level, for all of us, we survive life. Yeah. Yeah, it just becomes a day of survival. We survive rather than live. And there's a, there's a point that that turns. Yeah, and, and it's when we, when we have to survive that our dignity, I suppose, our inherent worth gets challenged, right? Yeah. Because we feel like uh, we feel like the world is beating us up. We feel like the world is aiming its arrows at us and the people around us are aiming their arrows at us and uh, we get we get hit, we get beat up. Yeah. The world is not as open and free and safe as it once was. And it really can come from somebody simply saying something to us. Uh, oh, you can't do that or well, you're, you're a little big or, I mean, I just watched the movie. I don't, we, I don't know if we want to promote stuff, but just yesterday watched the movie on Netflix called Dumpling and just such a powerful story about what, what, and whatever it is for any of us that we're told, you know, in, in, high, in elementary school, you know, when we first go into school and mixing with other kids, you know, kids can be brutal, can, you know, for whatever reason, they can say something that we take as a teardown versus a buildup. And we make that part of our identity. And all of a sudden, the world is less safe. Were you picked on, beat up, bullied as a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, oh, I was a total fag, uh, total sissy, mm-hmm. total queer. Yeah. You know, many, many, many years before I ever knew I was that, <laughs> uh, before I was a gay man. Didn't even, wasn't even dealing with that. Didn't even know what that looked like. But it just, you know, my mannerisms always migrated towards, you know, musical stuff and uh, you know, I probably wasn't the butchest thing in the world, even as a kid. And God bless my mother. She tried to, you know, throw baseball at me and I would just sit out in the <laughs> outfield and pick the, pick the flowers. Oh, yeah, it was so, so awful. Yeah. But there was, I, I remember this one day, I used to tell the story uh, that, you know, I was 
the big bully of the school came up to me and said, I'll meet you in the parking lot of Piggly Wiggly after school. Oh, the Piggly Wiggly. That's where it always oh, comes down, Oh, the Piggly down, Wiggly. Oh, baby. And, you know, in the, and, you know, just because it looks, so, it's such a pretty object, they put the trash dumpster in the middle of the parking oh, lot because yeah. it's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, why hide it? And so I, um, I was walking, you know, that entire day, I was shaking in my bones. Like, and really, little, you know, it's hard to tell what I was thinking back then because it's been so long ago. But, you know, I, could, I, I had to have been questioning myself, like, why me? What's he got against me? Why am I less than him? And uh, what did I do? What did I do that was wrong? I mean, which has become a context for my life. You know, what, what have I done that's wrong? And, uh, you know, how, or I'm in trouble now. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it looks like that more. I'm in trouble for something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm walking home and I, I'm approaching. I didn't know where he was going to be. But, it, of course, an obvious place would be he would be hiding behind the trash dumpster in the middle of the parking lot. And he jumped out at me and, you know, acted like he was going to beat me up and, you know, tear me down. And he started throwing things verbally at me. And just really all he wanted to do was scare me, which he succeeded. Yeah. And then he, you know, treated me like, okay, well, that, that was your warning. You got off light and easy. And he sent me on my way. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to, you know, even as a gay man, I don't want to be overdramatic, but I, I don't, I think it's safe to say my life changed in that moment. Yeah. Like life became unsafe in that moment. I no longer had the joy and the freedom and the self-expression and the confidence. It was like a before and after phenomenon. Yeah. Before the dumpster, after the dumpster. Oh, man. This has me thinking, I don't normally, I don't know, like break the the fourth wall of, of podcasting, but it has me thinking about like, I don't know how many people listen to this podcast, but I got to believe people with their earbuds in right now are thinking of their moment when their life changed, right? Absolutely. I certainly am. Yeah. I'm thinking of, I, I don't even, I don't talk about this publicly, but I, I think about this, uh, I, I almost, uh, like I, I didn't realize how deep down I had buried this for a long time and hadn't even really talked about it with my wife or anybody for years. I, I mean, it, yeah. like anybody in my life, but middle school, like I, I was, uh, I was bullied pretty hard in middle school. I was called fag. I was called gay. Mm-hmm. I was called all sorts of things that, uh, you know, back then was brutal, right? Oh God. Like really brutal. Especially when you're just trying to survive middle school, right? I'm trying to survive. Yeah, oh, I, yes. The amount of hair gel I put into my hair to compensate for all the things that people called me was was absurd, yeah. right? Like, but but specifically, I remember the moment. It was like a half day of school, and and uh, you know we went to this. Uh, uh, I grew up in a small town, and half day of school, everybody would walk up to Pizza Hut because Pizza mm-hmm. Hut, man, it's, it's, oh, yeah. that was our Piggly Wiggly, and you, you go up to Pizza Hut and get yourself a personal pan pizza. And, uh, or maybe the buffet, they used to have a lunch buffet at five ninety nine. Of course. But I remember I was walking home from, I actually wasn't walking home. I was walking to my middle school girlfriend's house to drop her off. We were just walking together. And this kid who had bullied me and picked on me, like ran up behind me. I didn't know he was there. I didn't even know he was there. Like he snuck up behind me and punched me in the face from behind, like a, like a hook, a right hook from behind. Punch me right in the face while I'm walking next to, you know, my middle school girlfriend. And you can, you know, all the insecurities that could go along with, with that. And I never like told anybody about it. Like I didn't tell anybody about it. Like I was physically assaulted in the street. Well, it has so much shame. (laughs) Right. So much shame. Oh man. Yeah. 
Is the shame, is that the thing that, uh, so your work, uh, Dignity You, even your bystander intervention work, and, and for those who don't know you, they'll, they'll learn about you during the, this conversation. But will you talk a little bit about your work? Will you talk about dignity, why you cho- yeah. chose to lean into that word, and maybe yeah. even some of the work that led, led you to this point uh, in, in your work on dignity? Yeah, we set it up beautifully. We've kind of teased it a little bit. So let me kind of go back. You know, 12 years ago, I started talking about this phenomenon called that I'd heard about, went to a conference and heard about kind of triggered something within me, didn't know why, but I thought this, there's something to this. As we start to look at behaviors in our society that are abusive and offensive and unacceptable and violent even, and why they're happening, you know, we typically come at them from, let's try, you know, from a prevention model of let's not have that perpetrator do that. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with those. We need to keep having those prevention-type conversations. But this particular conversation that I heard at a conference, it was as a hazing institute put on by HPO, hazingprevention.org. Yep. They started talking about this concept called bystander intervention by Ellen Berkowitz. And I was intrigued. Like, I was bored the entire conference until they brought this up. And I'm like, all right. Even you know, others told me, my, they saw my light bulb go off. I was like, they were onto something here. So long story short, I really took that and little did I know at the time, is it the right time in the right place for this conversation to really explode? And because people were, had heard about it too, but didn't know enough about it. And I took the opportunity to produce a project, Responsibility, which included a, a major video, reality TV type based video. And people, once the video was released, People started asking me to come talk about it, and we've done workshops, we've done a workbook, we've I've written a book on it. I mean, we've done, I've spent the last 12 years of my life traveling this country and even internationally talking about this concept called bystander intervention. Now, I've made it a little bit more simple. I've simplified it for people because for administrators and for high-up people and people that like this kind of jargon, they know what bystander intervention is. So it appeals to them. I've learned that students or even, especially in the corporate world, they don't attach themselves as much to those two words. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily know what they mean when you say them. I have to take a lot of time to explain them. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've taken the same message. I am still all about bystander intervention, but I, I present it in a framework of courage. Because when you, as a bystander, Go what I call go past the shame that you have, and shame is a barrier. I'm not enough. I can't do this. I'm not the one. I don't. You know, other people are. That's a shame factor. But you also go past your fear because we all have fear. When you go past those two barriers and intervene in a problem situation, that's showing courage. Yeah. So I've I've simplified the message down to where people can wrap their head and their heart around it more. So having said all that. You know, because bystander intervention slash courage, it's all about something that's happening outside of you that you have the choice whether to do something about. If somebody's being harassed or offended or bullied or hazed or sexually violated, possibly even killed. And, you know, what are we going to do as a bystander? Are we going to be passive? Are we going to be powerful? The two distinctions I use, and you can certainly tell which one is which. Mm -hmm. Passive, we do nothing. Powerful, we intervene in some kind of way. So, 
Having said all that, when I started to look at, okay, what can we now talk about? We need to still continue to talk about responsibility. I still continue to talk about that across this country and get booked to speak about it. Yes, yes, yes. So that's not going away. But I thought, it's time for, let's add a conversation in on this. And so dignity is something that I was recommended to look into by Lori Hart, a friend that many people that listening to this podcast may know. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, I think our next conversation that we need to be talking about is dignity and respect. So I really, you know, I threw it out on Facebook as an idea, got lots of positive responses, said, okay, let's, let's start to look at this. And the more I learned about it, and I, I fell into a book by Dr. Donna Hicks called Dignity. And I started, I started reading it and I couldn't put it down. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're intrigued by what we're going to be d- digging in more, I highly encourage you to buy the book. She has two now by Dr. Donna Hicks. I get nothing for you buying the book, by the way. This is not an affiliate thing, but I just think it's awesome book. One is just called Dignity, and the other was is Leading with Dignity and How to Bring Dignity into Organizations, which a lot of people listening to this podcast would be interested in as well. So she just released that in August. But uh, she's a full partner with me on this new conversation and what we've launched. We have her full endorsement, and we use her work, her research, her findings. She's in partnership with Archbishop Desmond Tutu mm-hmm. for a lot of her work, and she's I hesitate to say this word for anybody that in higher ed that's listening. She does work at Harvard, even though she's not in favor of what's going on at Harvard mm-hmm. in regardless to same-sex organizations. But she's a full, in full support. She's a sorority woman, and she does love the work that I'm doing to, to take her message and bring it into in a wider scale than what she is. All right. So push pause for a second. Yes. So I want to, I wanna, for our listeners who don't know you or don't know your work, I want to name three bullet points and just make this real easy. Yes, let's do that. So bullet point number one, if you're a listener and you want to learn more about Mike's work, because everything he's talking about is fascinating right now and super important, especially given maybe the larger political or cultural context that we live in today, you know, the, the idea of being, yes. uh, of honoring people's dignity, of making the choice to be courageous and intervene when necessary, as even as a bystander, here are the three bullet points. I want you to go to MikeDilbeck.com. There's one L in Dilbeck, MikeDilbeck.com. And you're going to find everything that Mike does there. One of the things that he does is called response ability. Those are two words. You can, they sound like one when you say them together. And that's, I think, on purpose from, from a long time ago. Yep. That responsibility work is some of Mike's original and, I mean, widely utilized and cherished work on bystander intervention. Something that's it's, it's so practical. And Mike, you've done a great job of making that accessible. The idea of bystander intervention You've taken research and, and deep data dives and made it accessible for regular people to understand how to apply it in their life. And I want to lean into a word that you said earlier. You said making the choice to be courageous. Yes. Uh, I want to talk about that more in, here in a second. Okay. But then the third bullet point is Dignity U. So, Mike, is that website DignityU.com? Dignity, the letter U.com? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not Y-O-U, it's the letter U, yeah. DignityU.com. So uh, that's where Mike has taken taken his message, I think, to the next level. This is some of your newest stuff. And this is, yeah. a, this is an initiative, a project that organizations can tap into, bring sort of this simple idea of dignity deeply into their 
organizational culture and individuals can can bring it into sort of a, a core value as well. Did did I do a good job of outlining those three bullet points? Yes. Mike Dilbeck, yes. perfect. responsibility, dignity, you, right? Perfect, perfect. Yeah, thank you. So this feels like the right time to tell our listeners. So Mike and I, this is like six or seven years ago, we did this project. Our company and Mike did this project called Be the Person. So this was uh, this was like a conference that we put on. And I got to give a shout out to Jessica Gendron Williams, who was one of the, the key authors yes. of that of that project as well. And a lot of people in our company, a lot of people came together to make this thing a reality. But it was like a, a three, I don't remember what it was, three or four day conference that we did in Chicago. The details of that don't matter. The, the reason I bring it up is, is the connection. For me, the connection was, and I don't think we had this clarity at the time, but the connection was choice. You know, when we teach social excellence, we teach, we often teach about every moment is a choice and the choices that we make matter, they add up. The way that we, the way that we make momentary choices and how we interact with other human beings define who we are. And your work back then was really focused on the bystander intervention stuff and, and the sort of the, the power of the choice that we have to either be, what did you say? Passive or powerful or powerful Mm -hmm. like that, that connection of choice, the connection of, Oh my God. If we would have had this clarification back then, we would, it would have been so much easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, six years later, we finally get that connection, yeah. which it was a powerful, powerful conference. But yeah, that would have been that would have been awesome. So, uh, just to offer some context to listeners, I mean, this conference this wasn't a conference where we sat in a room and learned. It was an experience. It opened with we had actors. Mike, do you remember this? We had actors. Yes. We we told our participants to like go find lunch, right? Like right when they showed up and registered. You know, here's your folder. Go find lunch. Here are three restaurants around town where you can go find lunch. And on the pathway from the location to where they were going to find lunch, we had actors set up. Like, what were they? Do you remember any of the things that the actors were doing? Yeah, they were doing different things. And they were, uh, it was actually a treasure hunt on the way to lunch. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, so it would take them in different paths so they wouldn't all be going the same street. We had different sets of actors portraying different things. And I don't know what, I remember what they all are. But one was a interracial couple uh, fighting on the street, yeah. like having a big argument, and he was broaching the lines of abusing her. Mm-hmm. And what you didn't mention, we were filming all this. That's right. Oh God, I forgot we were filming. We, it. Part of the assignment was that they take a camera and document their entire experience, but which they thought was going to be fun and blah 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 blah, which it was fun in a way, but they didn't know what was about to they were about to be confronted with. Yeah. And the other ones, I forget what the other ones were, but. They, you know, they recorded how they reacted. Did they make the choice to do something about that situation or intervene? Or did they just walk on by? You know, did they kind of just look at each other and go, I don't know. You know, did they think it was their role to get involved? And uh, so, I mean, that's, you're right. We didn't even start the conference. They didn't even sit down in chairs. We said, get in teams of four or five and go get lunch. And with the treasure hunt, boom, go. Yeah. And they were immediately thrown into an experience. It was a very experiential week, very little sitting in chairs. Yeah. And we put them out in real life. And it was intriguing. They, and they, they did not know until we brought them back in. They were, they were for the first time sitting in chairs. And the back door of the room opened up and said, we have some special guests we want to introduce you to. And in walked the actors. Mm-hmm. And it was at that moment they realized that what they had seen on the streets that they thought was real. And, it, and they were real day, real everyday occurrences, but they were, conf- you know, it was all 
manipulated. Yeah. And, and I think so they all knew that they were signing up for some extreme learning experience. And, uh, and, and we threw them in it right off the right bat. Away. But for, for, for me, one of the reasons that's important is I think it's easy to say words like courage and responsibility and bystander intervention totally. and dignity and respect and civility. It's easy to say those words. It's another thing to have provocative moments in your life that actually transform the choices yeah. that you make in the future. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. I really, when I speak to an audience, I'll say, listen, many of you have, you haven't really connected to what I'm talking about because it's not real for you right now. Like you're not sitting there right now looking at me and there's something happening that makes sense about what I'm talking about. You won't know until you leave and go out in your life. And it may not happen today, next week, next, you know, month or next year. But at some point it may happen where you see something that your moral compass is saying that's not right. That's not good. I should do something here. And you have a choice in that moment if you're going to laugh along, walk away, or stay silent, and that's being a passive bystander, or you make the choice to do what I call standing up, stamping in, and speaking out, and that's being a powerful bystander. And we make that choice. What are what are the moments? So you talked about the Piggly Wiggly. Are there other moments in your life that have? Uh, I mean, I, I think about to lead you to the place where this is what you're what you've built a a career around. Oh yeah, there have to be yeah. some other moments that have led you there, right? Like what what are what what are some other stories that come up for you? Well, I'll quickly tell you my the opening story from my keynote that I gave across the country. I won't take the, as long as I do in the keynote, but it, and it kind of goes it goes back to the Piggly Wiggly as well, and even your story. You know, I think we go through life wanting this, but there are certain developmental times in our life we we want it more than anything. And that is is to belong. We just want to belong. Mm -hmm. We want to be accepted. We want to be liked. We want to know that we fit in. And when anything comes along that threatens that, yes, we get threatened as a person in our, you know, all that, but more importantly and more broadly, that sense and that want for belonging gets threatened. So I was the same way. You know, of course, Piggly Wiggly affected me, but then I went into middle school because I was in elementary. I went into middle school and I thought, okay, this is my time to belong. And I certainly knew in seventh grade I didn't belong, but I knew about this kid, this kid named Buster. He was the star defensive end for the Barwise Bobcat football team. Mm-hmm. And he was the stud of the school. And I didn't associate with him. You know, I didn't compete to be his best friend. I just knew to stay away from him. And I knew to stay away from this hallway that I think we all have in in school where all the popular kids hang out. They have their lockers together. They congregate before school, after school, in between classes, and basically gossip and make fun of those that aren't really accepted into that hallway, the ones that don't belong. Lying, I was clear I didn't belong. But something happened in eighth grade or two different things happened that I thought, well, okay, maybe I got this belong thing down. Maybe this is my year. Because first of all, I got elected band president, mm-hmm. which is a big freaking deal, big right? Deal. Yep. Big deal. And uh, at least in my world, it was. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to top it off, I was chosen to be the one and the only drum major. So I thought, this is it. This is my year. I finally made it yeah. up to the top, right? And I made up my own evidence of what I was making up. So I was debuting my new drum major costume on that first Tuesday, the first football game this season, where you know you, everybody wears their 
uniform, the band, the cheerleaders, the football players yeah. wear their uniforms to school all day because you have the pep rally in the morning, game in the afternoon. So I was wearing this big, and little did I know at the time how flamboyant it was. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I walk into school, I was really strutting because my confidence was soaring. I, my, I was, I'd never been more proud of who I was because this, this was it. So I walk in and I meet up with my best friend, Mark. We're walking down the hall and he starts to grab me when we turn the corner. He goes, dude, we can't go down there. I'm like, yeah, today we can. Mm. I, I'm today. I, I, I know this today is it. Because mm. the truth of the matter is I couldn't sleep the night before because I just knew this was it. I knew how it was going to look. They were going to accept me and give me high fives and the football players going to pat me on the ass. And it was just going to be one big debut and acceptance ceremony. <laughs> so I, I start walking and I immediately find myself face to chest with Buster Thompson. And standing there as he is, you know, big beast of a, you know, defensive lineman. And he, I'd look up and he looks down and he puts his finger in my face and that's where he lets go. Mm. And he yells at the top of his lungs, fag, sissy, queer. Mm-hmm. To where everything stops in the hallway. Mm. Everything. Everybody stops and watches. Everybody heard it. Mm. it was, I was this, that was the center of attention for that brief moment of time. Some other people joined in him because they wanted to, you know, show that they are cool too. And it was, I kind of went into a fog. And when I came out of it, I realized that everybody was gone. Even my best friend. And everybody had gone to class and I was left there just in the remnants of what had happened. Mm. And, you know, that was, a, I will never forget that day because that was when I realized that I'm on my own. It was a, it, that is what I said to myself. I'm on my own. Mm. I, and I, well, two things. I'm not good enough. I, d- I certainly didn't belong like I thought I did that year. And I'm all alone because mm-hmm. nobody was there to stick up for me. Nobody stood up for Mike Dilbeck and my own dig- No one honored my dignity in that moment. So first of all, and that's where the two come together, my two concepts. Yeah. No one intervened, right? No one stood up for me. No one took the, had the courage to say, you can't, don't say those, don't, you know, leave him alone or whatever they could have done, drag me away from the situation. And as a result, over here where I am, my dignity was violated. Yeah. And I was torn down as a human being and my soul was not the same. Yeah. Now, had someone stepped in for me, what he did would have remained the same, but that dignity would have possibly been restored some to where, well, at least I belong enough that somebody took the risk to stand up for me. Yeah. The blow would have been a little easier to take had I realized, okay, I'm not alone. But those, all that together changed my life. God. Yeah. And, and really is why I have you know, given my life over to what I speak about today. Yeah. That we just want to belong. And in that moment, we just want to belong. you find yourself alone in the hallway feeling. All right, so... so when, when I open my talks, uh, I, I don't start with a story. Well, sometimes I do, but, but I often start with this whole bit of like humans are social animals, right? Like we've, yeah, yeah. as humans, the, the one way we survive and thrive is when we gather together in groups. Literally, we are hardwired yeah. as a species to desperately long for belonging and, and want to know that we're the only place we're safe is in a group, right? Yeah. And when you yes. find yourself alone in the hallway, still wearing your, you know, your new uniform, 
mm-hmm. that you were so proud of just uh, just moments ago. Oh God, that that story. First of all, strong strong story as a speaker. I I, I appreciate that. Yeah, and the you know and the way I really end it with the, the audience and so where they can kind of find themselves. Okay, is, you know I walked in so proud of, to school that day. I'm like, this is it. Yeah, I've never been more proud of who I am. My chest was out, my head was high. I had finally become who I wanted to be at that age. Right? You thought you, you're because you're thinking, oh, one day it's going to come, yeah. and I thought that was the day. And that in just a few seconds of time, now all I wanted to do was crawl into a corner and cry. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be your therapist, but does, does that, I don't know. How does that play out in your life now? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It, it's constantly a barrier. Yeah. I'm not enough. I don't belong. I'm not lovable. I really came up and it was, I was hit in the face with it three years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer, yeah. stage three cancer. And you know, just the amount of love and support and resources and, you know, just everything that came my way was so hard for me to accept. Oh, wow. Because cause it that was in the face of I'm not loved, I'm not lovable, I don't belong, I'm all alone. I got to tackle this thing called cancer all alone. And my friends were saying, no, you don't. And, you know, I will sometimes when I talk about cancer, I, in a weird way, I say cancer was the greatest gift I was ever given Whoa. because it showed me in a very powerful slap in the face. You're not going to get away from this kind of way. You are not alone. But you've got to feel like, so I'm not to project or, or to assume, but I mean, you've been battling cancer one way or another for years now, three years, three years now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there, there have to have been moments when you have felt alone. Oh my gosh, still. I mean, so that it doesn't, here's the, the point too, is, you know, when we, when we have these breakthroughs and we see what we have never seen before, we get something in a way that we've never gotten it before. And it's like this breakthrough, you know, that's going to last however long it lasts, but it is our responsibility and really it's our opportunity to continue massaging that and using that and referring to that and reminding ourselves of that or else Within a moment of time, by default, we will go back to the way that it was. <laughs> yeah, because those that moment in the hallway, right? That bully who punched me, yes. like those those are uh those are so heavy in yeah. in 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 shape our behaviors. Yes. And this is what's crazy. This is how crazy we are as people. And we can all own it and you know, we say we can all share in it. We're crazy people because yeah. we have those amazing awesome things happen like what I was given and what I experienced after I was diagnosed with cancer. But that is not what has the power in our life. What power, what has the power is pulling us back to that, those piles of evidence that we built. And if, you know, if we were in attorneys and we were, we were pleading a case (laughs) and we had a, a file that to plead the case that Mike Dilbeck is not good enough, he's not lovable, he's not loved. We have piles and bits and pieces of evidence that we've accumulated throughout our entire life because the once, really going back to Piggly Wiggly, yeah. that started the case. You know, middle school with Buster just added a big-ass piece of evidence to that case yeah. of what, I, what the case that I'd already made up, I'm not good enough, I'm all alone because when I was in Piggly Wiggly parking lot, I was all alone. And 
I got to survive this thing called life on my own. Yeah. No one's going to help. Good luck. Whoa. And it is going to be survival. So rather than, and I've seen things and I've had experiences, you know, and let's even, you know, and I, I'm so fortunate and I'm so blessed to have the career that I do and have the success at it and to be able to make the impact that I do on stage in front of audiences that really are moved and touched by the message and they're challenged by it and they see life in a different way than when I, before I stepped on stage. Yet that is even not enough. <laughs> you know, if, if, if they take evaluations, there are, you know, I bet you can deal with this, relate to this too. If there's a hundred surveys, 99 are, oh my God, my life has changed forever. It's the best thing I've ever heard. I've heard lots of speakers. I've never heard all that stuff that we love to hear. I mean, like I'm just bringing on, but there's that one like, oh, you know, he was a crock of crap. You know, I didn't, he, blah, blah, blah. That is the one I'll focus on. Or even if it's not even like, bad feedback it's like no it's, it's like oh it's it was okay too, it was too long it was five minutes too yeah. long and that'll like eat at me for a week i don't even read oh those my anymore. gosh <laughs> that is that's how crazy we are we are crazy and i really invite everyone listening to this podcast to really get we're crazy yeah. now that's not an allegation i'm not laying something heavy in everybody's lap or but I, I just getting it as a yeah and not not to make it too significant or too heavy but as an opportunity to get we're all in this together yeah. You know, that's the one reason I use live polling in my, in my talks now. And they get to see the results on their phones of these questions. And after I give them these questions, because it's the kind of questions that like 80, 90% of the people in the room answer one particular answer to, that yes, they have been a part of situations where they didn't intervene or someone didn't intervene for them. Yeah. I said, the one and only reason I do it the way I do it is for you to see the evidence to have in front of you on your phone right now that you are not alone. Yeah, the uh, it's funny when you were talking, and I've already re- reused this phrase, but and it's the simplest phrase. But you said we just want to belong, and I don't know how many how many how many thousands millions of times have other people said that to me, or have I said that in? I've yeah. probably written it. You know what I mean? Like, like this is uh, this that's the most core thing. But I wrote it down again and, and put quotation marks around it and put a star by it during our conversation because, like, that is the that's it. Uh, you are not alone. I'm 54 years old yeah. and I still just want to belong. Oh my god, yes! I just don't want to be alone in the hallway. Like that's no, it. No, no, no. And and I will. I will. I will architect my life to make sure that that doesn't happen. I will, in fact, I will create falsehoods or, or like change the way that I do my work just to make sure that every, I feel like everybody likes me and I belong. Right. Oh yeah. Which is so absurd. And, and absurd, but here we are. But that doesn't, that just saying it absurd doesn't make any, you know, it's still real, Yeah. you know, and it is real for all of us and it's real for, the people we work with, our constituents, and you know the people that you want to make a difference for. It's real for them, too. So us having this conversation and being super vulnerable, yeah. which I so appreciate, and you and I have the relationship that I think we have the comfort level that we are able to do that with, yeah. which is one of the many things I've always loved about you. But I think what I want this to be a demonstration of how we can be with other people out in life. So... You know, a question I had written down to to talk to you about is all right. So, yeah. so dignity important, yes. obviously. 
and we live in an undignified world at the moment. We live in a world that chips away at uh, at our dignity, uh, right? Social media, culture, mm-hmm. politics, yes. the news, the way people treat each other, the the comment yes. section on on whatever you posted recently. Like a thousand things are constantly aiming their their arrows at our dignity yeah. and, and beating. Yeah, that up. you don't have to try hard. No, you don't. Have to, you don't. Have, no, you don't have to try. You don't even have to try. You can just open your computer and go to Facebook, and your dignity is automatically going to be challenged. Yeah. Now, you know, and it, it, you know, I'm not saying like somebody calls you something, which they might, sure. that might come up, or they, you, know, you might have a particular conversation or someone might send you a message that in response to something that maybe you posted that may yep. violate your dignity. But you can also, this is where it can get down to this level. This is how our lack of dignity shows up. Okay, and taking going back to the very beginning, where that glass is less and less full of dignity in our life, yeah. is where we look at somebody and they're on vacation and they're having a great time. And you know, I did that this Christmas. You know, I'm like, oh my god, they you know they have such a sense of family and like they're having the best time, and I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. That right there, I am less. I have less dignity. I have less value and worth. I put their experience of what they're having at Christmas with their family as more valuable and worthy than mine. Mm. So I really, I wanted to say that because it can really be down to that level. Yeah. We look at, we compare ourselves to other people and we make up whatever we make up and therefore our dignity is less. So as our time starts to wrap up, I, I, you, you yes. got to ask the question and maybe a, a good way for us to come, come close to closing is oh, yeah. how, do we, how do we lift people up? How do we inject more dignity into people's lives. Yeah, so there's lifting ourselves up and there's lifting other people up, which you know can go hand in hand and, and certainly do go hand in hand or hand in glove, however you want to say mm-hmm. it. But uh, when it comes to other people, let me share a quick story that I end my talk on dignity with, and I will shorten it for the purposes of this podcast. But you know, one day, and I think everybody does this, I was, yeah, I just moved in my new apartment. You know, when you're moving to a new apartment, you want new things. Mm-hmm. And up to this point, my duvet cover was fine. But when I moved in my new apartment, it was all of a sudden not fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was on a quest. And when I'm, you know, if you, anybody knows me, when I'm on a quest, there's nothing stopping me. So I go out at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. It was hot here in Dallas. It was muggy, as Dallas is known to be. And, but nothing was going to stop me from getting a new duvet cover. That was the challenge of the day. And I go to several different places, couldn't find what I wanted, couldn't find what I wanted, driving, dealing with traffic, dealing with, you know, people trying to be in traffic and drive right, and they don't. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to one more place. I was just done. I was tired. I was hungry. I was irritable. I was annoyed. So everybody on this podcast, just kind of put yourself in those places that we all get to, right? So I go into Macy's. I thought, this is the last place I'm going to go. And I saw these big red signs back in the corner, Clarence Corner. You know, 60 to 70% off. At least 60 to 70% off, that's what I said. So I went back there. Oh, my God, I find the duvet cover. Perfect. Yes. And I look for the price, and it wasn't marked. So I get one of the attendants, you know, one of the persons that works at Macy's. He was a young gentleman. He came over, and in all honesty, I could tell right off the bat that he wasn't fully mentally developed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I know that's a very, uh, you got to say it the proper way now, because I certainly don't want to be offensive, but he was mentally challenged, and, uh, which I was fine with. And, but I was asking him some questions like, what is the price of this? And he goes, well, okay. 
And then, you know, he, he, he did talk with a, it was a noticeable difference in his speech. Uh-huh. And he got the gun and, and shot the bar on there and says, well, it's $365. I said, well, no, that's the retail price. This says at least 60 to 70% off. He goes, oh, I don't know. And but it took, what it took to get him to understand was, he, he, so I, I said, could you take this and go check on the clearance price? And then he says, well, do you want it? I said, well, and I, this is when I started to get really annoyed. I don't know if I want it. I want to know what the price is to determine if I want it or not. Guess what he asked me? Hmm. Do you want it? Hmm. <laughs> Ask me again. I'm like, okay, I'm, I really am not in a place to deal with this. But it was in that moment, Matt, that I, given the work that I was doing on Dignity, and I was pretty far along in the project, I literally saw, I was like standing outside of myself watching myself. I was watching what I was about to do to this young man. Mm. I was about to tear him down. I was about to be short and pretentious and snobby and you're waiting on me. You you need to be answering my questions. Now, I'm not typically that way. Hopefully, people who are listening to this know me. No, I'm not. But I was just in one of those spaces that I think we can all get into that, I mean, there was enough variables at play that you didn't want to be in my path. And I stopped myself. And this is really the, this is, comes to the answer to your question is, and that's the, re, this is the reason for Dignity U is we have to be aware. We have to be willing and able to step outside of ourselves in those moments that, and to realize what we're about to do to some other person and their dignity and the value and worth that they experience out of their interaction with us. Because in that moment, I was either going to build him up as a human being and make him feel great and thank him for the service he was providing me as much as it was annoying me, or I was going to tear him down and make him feel worse than what he did before I interacted with him. I had a choice in that moment. And I had to deliberately make that choice, which I made to honor his dignity, which required me to transform who I was being and what was coming out of my mouth in that moment to make that sure that that was fulfilled. Mm. I couldn't continue the where I, where I was going and have it have his dignity being honored be fulfilled. That was not going to those two were not going to go hand in hand. So I stopped myself. It was like I froze everything and said, "Mike, get your crap together. God. This is not about you." So I I I had I first thing was have patience with him. I took time with him to explain what I needed and what needed to happen. He, then he got it. This continued to be a challenge, which I continued to have. I had to bring patience to the situation. Yeah. That was the thing that I mostly had to bring, patience and honor. And we finally got it worked out. I mean, he screwed up their transaction on the, on the we finally got the, uh, and I had to make a request of him to get the manager over, yeah. but I did it in a dignified way. Yeah. And the manager came over, she helped, we got it all done. And I started to walk away. I'm like, that wasn't enough. I stopped, I turned around, I go, and ironically, his name was Mike too. I said, hey, Mike. And he had started to walk away and he turned around and looked at me. And I took my finger and I pointed at him. I go, you did great. Mm. Thank you. Mm. So first of all, how he made, you know, how I'm clear that the experience allowed him to, to feel and it wasn't going to go that way, right? Because yeah. there is a point I want to make. 
So I, had, I left him in a different place than I was predictably, automatically, by default, going to leave him. But it also needs to be noted that I went back to my car and I was in a different place mm. than I was predictably going to be. Mm. I felt great. I was inspired by who I was able to be for another person. He inspired me and not, by not giving up to get through his own challenges. That was not going to happen. Both of those things were certainly not going to happen if we went down the default predictable road that that thing was going down. Yeah. That was a little unpredictable at the end for me that huh, this, is a, this is a funny comment to make, but like you patted yourself on the back. Uh, you, you got in the car and yeah. felt inspired by yourself. Yes. I, I think people are afraid to do that. <laughs> right? Because it's egot- it sounds egotistical and narcissistic. But here's, yes, thank you for bringing that because if we're not able to do that and acknowledge what we just did and what we broke through to do what we just did, we stand a lesser chance of being able to do it again. We have to see all those teaching moments that we're teaching ourselves and we have to learn from them. And, you know, and I'm like, like boasting about it. And now granted, I tell the story because I'm a professional speaker and it's a great story that can help others. But. I'm not coming at it from an egotistical or narcissistic, like, oh, look at me. Oh, I'm so great. But I'm, and hopefully it was, your listeners heard it in a vulnerable way that I was just being human. And like, yeah, I just did that. Yeah. And it wasn't going to go that way. Yeah. Because I'm willing, to, I'm willing to tell the ugly about it too. Yeah. You know, and it was going to get ugly if I didn't alter things. And so like, I know what that can look like. And there's, there's I love this. This is a good news, bad news. The good news is I now know what it looks like to, in the moment, stand outside yourself, look at what's about to happen, and alter your behavior towards someone else. Yeah. That's good news, right? Yeah. The bad news is I now know what that looks like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have no excuse now. If I ever let it go down that default premeditated, or not even premeditated, but world, that default predictable world is what I was going to say, shame on me. Because mm. I now know what it looks like. I now know what it takes. Most importantly, I now know I can do that. I've shown myself that I can do that. And if I don't do that, then shame on me. Yeah. Yeah. Man. That's why it's a good news, bad news. That's a, that's a strong story to end with, Mike. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm struck by this uh, simple idea we all just want to belong, that, that Mike in the store, the Macy's attendant in the store, he just wanted to belong in his job. He just wanted to uh, work a dignified job. Exactly. Help you to the extent that he could. Yes. But you're the same. You're the same, right? Like you just wanted to belong. Yeah. You, you, there were a thousand little arrows that had been pointing at you all day long yeah. and you found yourself yeah. in that situation. And of course, like you didn't show up with a malicious intent or to, to beat up anybody or to be pretentious, as you said, or to anything. No, no, those like we're, we are not perfect <laughs> as humans and we, no, we're not we've got to be able to forgive ourselves and forgive others for those things, but then also know that every moment is a choice yep. and we get to choose in those moments. If we, you know, step up and, and, and step in when we need to, if we intervene when we need to, we, we get to make the choice and we get to make the choice whether or not we intervene into our own sort of predictable behaviors yes. as well. And that's, that's the beauty of that yeah. story. That's why the two messages I have now are con- uh, different. Yeah. They're very different messages, but they're connected. Yeah, they converge in this they converge. way. 
And so does social excellence. And why didn't we know that it was all about choice back then? I don't know, but it still is. And as listeners of the People of People podcast already know, because they've, they've heard me talk about this in other contexts, but this, this idea that every moment is a choice, that, that the way that we choose to interact with other people defines yeah. who we are. That's it. That is who we That's are. Right. We are social animals. And we can, we can create a world in which we do belong, a world in which yeah. we do feel our dignity honored. And so much of that is about our own choices that we make. Yes. And what I want to also leave your listeners with is this. And, you know, it, this project has been harder than anyone I've ever done because mm-hmm. I think it's taking people a little bit more to wrap their head around and even their heart around this concept of dignity and why it's important is that, you know, I just want everybody to imagine what the world, what are, you know, what our worlds, whatever we want to make our worlds to be, whether that be the, the campus world on a college or university or in the workplace world or the worlds with our families, or just the world as we interact with strangers out on the street, what would it look like? What would our experiences be like if everyone was committed to honoring each other's dignity? Yeah. And on the flip side of that, as many of the listeners that you will have to this kind of podcast are dealing with really issues every day, unfortunately, you know, whether it be hazing, drug and alcohol abuse, sexual violence, you know, discrimination, you know, whether it be in the workplace or on the college campus, they're the ones dealing with those. They're the ones getting this incidents. It's really getting that none of those happen and they don't violate someone's dignity. Yeah. Someone's dignity is violated every single time someone's sexually violated yes. or hazed or harassed in the workplace or violated outside of the workplace. You know, it's just they feel less than yes. they did before that happened. So what can we do? What conversation can we have? What programs can we bring in? And I don't mean to sound like a sales, but, you know, whether it's social excellence or dignity you or responsibility to start having these conversations with our constituents on being the kind of humans, making the choice to be the kind of human that we are already committed to being, but then we just aren't at times. We make a different choice. Yeah. Doesn't make us bad, awful, wrong people. It just makes us, we just make a choice that really isn't us in that moment. Hmm. And how can we be conscious of and aware of the choice that we have and make the choice that we want to make rather than go to the default? That is the message I want to close this episode with. Mike, thank you so much for doing this. I love it. We played phone tag and calendar tag for a while to make this happen. I'm proud of us for actually making it happen and connecting our calendars. Uh, Well done with that. Yeah, thank you. Listeners can find you at MikeDilbeck.com. Is that the is that the best place to find you? That is the best place. And they there's the only program I've taken out of MikeDilbeck.com and expanded on is DignityU.com. Mm-hmm. But you can get everything at MikeDilbeck.com, but to really dig into DignityU.com and see all the amazing organizations that are making this possible, which I always want to throw out a shout out to them, are on the DignityU.com website. Please visit there just to, you know, and there's ways to just check it out. Yeah. Mike, thanks for, uh, thanks for this conversation. Thanks for all yeah, the conversations you. that we've had. Thanks for the work that we've gotten to do together. Yes. And I hope get to do together again. Me too. Brother, this was, uh, this was wonderful. I appreciate it, Mike. I think we're even more connected to our message than we've ever been. I think so too. Yeah, it's choice. It is. Hey, thanks again for listening to the People People podcast. Really 
What a wonderful conversation with Mike. I'm so grateful for Mike Dilbeck in my life and for his willingness to participate in this conversation with me. Mike is a a big-time speaker. He speaks to corporate audiences, college audiences. He speaks to nonprofits and associations. I know he's got a couple big gigs that he's recently done with uh, major political bodies and uh, uh, and some really cool nonprofits that he's working with. They're just I really respect the work that he's done. I respect who he is and how he's chosen to make his life a teacher, right? He's chosen to make his life a teacher. And I love how he's not the hero in uh, all of his stories. And he just finds a way to teach in every conversation. He teaches me constantly. And I just, I'm so grateful for Mike in my life and for him participating in this, this podcast episode. Hey, thank you to you for listening to the People People podcast. By the way, a lot of people are listening to the People People podcast. Thanks for that. I think you're probably sharing it. You're probably posting about it on social media. You're telling your friends about it. You're liking it. You know, you're rating it on iTunes, which I appreciate. Um, anyway, I just want to thank you for all the support that you've given to the People People podcast in this first season. I don't know what the future of this podcast holds, but I hope to just keep making episodes like this. Just keep having real conversations with real people, recording it and sharing it because. I believe that there are little moments of insight, little moments of inspiration that just come from these conversations. And I know for sure that there are people like you out there who want more of this in their life, who want a world filled with human connection, want a world where people feel that their dignity is honored. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay social, stay excellent, try hard. And remember, we all just want to belong. There are people in your life just want to belong. And they may be acting the way they're acting because they just want this one thing to feel like they belong. And probably for a lot of their life, they haven't felt that way. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you know that feeling. Uh, I want you to know you belong here. You belong among us, the people people. Thanks for listening. <laughs>